This morning, again, you know already this is the third time that I've been in the midst of the people at Grand Point Church, our Saturday evening worship I'm accustomed to, and I kind of know the feel of that, but Sunday mornings, what a blessing, and we are so blessed. I think one of the great things that came out of COVID-19, amazing that you'll hear me say this, but Grand Point had to start their Saturday evening worship service and because of the pandemic. And we're so grateful because we wouldn't be able to join you on Sunday mornings, but Saturday night, uh, Bob and I are such so blessed to be able to call this our church home and worship together with you. You know a little bit about me now. Lawrence gave me rave reviews and maybe read my bio in the, in the brochure that was printed. But they tell you that if you're ever going to be a guest speaker at a place that you're not familiar with, you need to know your audience. And so my name is Lane. And on the count of three, I would like for you to tell me your name. One, two, three. It is so good to meet you. <laughs> I think we have great things in store for this day. On a very different note, how many of you, when you're driving to a new place, use some form of GPS? Show me by sign of hands. Some form of GPS. Now, the one I use is an app on my phone, and it's called Waze. And because it's a female voice, I call her she. So typically, when I'm driving, I put the address in. And this happened a couple of months ago when I had to attend a funeral in southern York County. Now, I'm used to going to York County. This was a place I wasn't familiar with, and so I plugged the address in to the GPS. And don't you know, the nerve of that woman. She tried to take me all the way up 81 and then all the way south on 83. It made no sense to me whatsoever. Also, I really tend to avoid the highways. I mean, there's usually a scenic route that you can take, even though it has all the twists and turns. It's, it's so beautiful in the trees, and aren't we blessed here in Franklin County? And so I started out, and I was determined to go my own way. And I did. And she kept telling me, as I approached Route 81, turn left, get on 81. And I didn't, and I kept going, and she said, turn left. I knew she wanted me to go back to 81, and I was not going to do it. I wanted to do things my way, and so I kept going straight, turn left, until I saw the construction zone ahead of me. When I saw the flagger and the line of traffic that I was going to be sitting in for the next few minutes, I started to have some regrets. Maybe I should have listened to my GPS. But it, pretty soon I headed on my way and um, went the scenic route, as I like to do. And don't you know, not one, not two, but three different times I hit construction zones that I could have avoided had I listened to her. One time there was a detour that if I had not listened to her, I never would have made it to the funeral. 
as it happened, I did make it there. But, you know, friends, in life, there are so many different road signs, so many voices speaking into our heads. We don't know what to do sometimes. It can really get confusing. That is the epitome of the coronavirus, wasn't it? (laughs) We didn't know which way to go. How many of you know, I know you're already ahead of me, life, life is a bunch of twists and turns. Nobody has a straight stretch that they can go on. Now, fortunately, we have a GPS system. We have God's word for us. We sang about it, right? God's promises, I don't know, for security or safety, GPS. You can help me out with that. What I know is it's for sure and for certain. And if we will but follow that GPS, instead of trying to go our own way, I mean, maybe I'm just preaching to myself here. I don't know. You all probably just follow the GPS and do exactly what it says and You're obedient. You never try to do things your own way, right? I hoped I heard some laughter there. This series of messages during the summer months has been so meaningful because I think what we've seen, and I hope that you've heard more of them um, throughout the summer, but what we've heard and what we've seen is that sometimes the people that God uses to accomplish God's purposes are the most unlikely people that you would ever expect God to use. You know, a bio is a wonderful thing. I don't know if you read it in the little pamphlet or not, but in a bio, I mean, you read that, you put all the nice, lovely stuff in there, and then your pastor gets up and introduces you, and he tells you all this, and it makes you feel so wonderful. But there's some ugly stuff you're not seeing. You don't read, nor would I write, the times that I am jealous of somebody else, the times when I'm frustrated or angry with a coworker. The times when I didn't make the call that I felt like God was asking me to make or the times that I procrastinated, usually out of fear or intimidation. We all have construction zones in our lives, don't we? We all have those detours that come along and the the curves and the mountains and and the pits. And I wanted to share with you just a bit of my story because I want you to know that no matter what you've experienced, God uses people to accomplish God's purposes. My first marriage ended in divorce after 14 years. Three children grew up now as a part of their story with a broken family relationship For me, that was probably the worst thing that I could imagine. I had never thought that I would be a divorcee, a single mom. And I began to wonder if God could use me in that state. Certainly, he would be so disappointed that he would 
withdraw or say, you blew it. But it was in that terrible season that I came to an understanding of grace. We sang about it this morning. You know grace, undeserved favor. Nothing that we can do will make God love us any more, and nothing we can do will make God love us any less. And I learned that lesson through the difficult days following my divorce. I determined then that I wanted to be used by God as a single mom, as a divorcee. But God had another plan. And about two years later, he brought into my life a wonderful Christian man named Gary, who was a worship leader, and we shared together in ministry and singing and um, just had 22 years together. In April of 2017, he was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and died one month later. Now, part of me was a grieving widow. And I thought, you know, God did not cause this. Think God could use it. Could God still use me now as a single woman? And sure enough, God did. In my life, he planted a seed and changed my call to pastoral ministry. It was in 2018 that I moved to Chambersburg and became the pastor at Park Avenue Church. A year later, St. John's was added, and I have the privilege of serving God in that capacity. I was ready to do that for the rest of my life, serve God as a widowed woman, because so many people came into my life who shared that same story, who had lost a spouse, who were going through the grief journey. And I could see God opening doors for me to share my story there. But God surprised me again when he brought a widower into my life, and that guy is Bob. Now, it took me a little while because I wanted to do things my way. Certainly, that was the best. I sound like a broken record. I thought my way was serving God as a single woman, as a single pastor in the church. And so it took a little bit of wooing for God to, for Bob to bring me along and for me to see that God had a gift for me. It wasn't long until I had fallen in love with this wonderful man. And when you get married in a pandemic, you buckle up because it's just the beginning of an adventure as you see how God will open doors and use you and your spouse in ministry. Let's pray together as we continue. Lord God, would you now open our eyes to your word, to all that is in here, Lord, in this wonderful and beloved story. We pray that your spirit would speak to our hearts as you open something new and something fresh, something different for us today as we are here in your presence. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. Our story is true because it's in the Bible and it comes from the book of John, chapter 4. 
The news quickly reached the Jewish religious leaders known as the Pharisees that Jesus was drawing a greater crowd of followers coming to be baptized than John, although Jesus himself didn't baptize but only his disciples. Jesus heard what was being said and abruptly left Judea and returned to the province of Galilee. He had to pass through Samaria. Throughout the summer, several of the speakers have referred to the tension and contention between Jewish people and Samaritans. We're not going to get into the whole history of that, but it was long-term, ongoing, and is still happening today. So when the scripture says Jesus had to go through Samaria, I wanted to show you a map so that you understand exactly what that one sentence in our story means. Jesus was in Judea, but as you know, his stomping grounds was typically around the Sea of Galilee. And so most Jewish people would follow the gray dotted line. They would cross over the Jordan River, go up the east side, the east bank of the Jordan, and then cross back over, adding miles and hours to their trip. They did that because they hated, and that is not too strong of a word, they hated the Samaritan people. But Jesus took the straight path. I think he was following God's GPS, don't you? He took the green arrows up there. I don't think he had this particular map, but you never know. And he went straight through Samaria. It really was kind of out of the box. And um, as he went, he traveled straight through Samaria from Judea to Galilee. The next verse, verse 5, says this. Jesus arrived at the Samaritan village of Sychar near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Wearied by this long journey, he sat on the edge of Jacob's well and sent his disciples into the nearby village to buy food, for it was already afternoon. So you know John, he was one of Jesus' disciples. He was devout. He was beloved That's how he refers to himself in the book of John. But John wasn't actually there. John had gone with all of the disciples into the town to buy food for lunch. And so I thought today, as we read the story, as we seek a new understanding of the story, that we could hear it from a new perspective, from somebody who was there at the time. Join me now as we hear from this woman. Well, if I had known that I would be recorded for all of history, I probably wouldn't have been so rude in my dealings with that man that showed up. I mean... Well, maybe I would have. I, that's just who I am. But when he came to the well and he was talking to me, he asked my name. 
I do have a name, but you know me as the woman at the well or the Samaritan woman. But when he asked my name, I gave him my typical response, what do you want it to be? Because I didn't know. All I knew was what I knew. My profession was pretty obvious. I could have had the scarlet A etched onto my forehead. And so Jesus, as compassionate as he was, looked at me and talked to me anyway. Well, when he asked for water, I I thought it was a pickup line. I mean, I had heard them all, but now this, a Jewish man speaking to me, a Samaritan woman. It made no sense whatsoever. You know, I, I loved God. We called him Yahweh in my day. I had been raised from childhood to revere Yahweh. I listened in while my brothers studied the Torah. It was forbidden for me. But it was the law and the prophets. It was the Old Testament studies of the people that God used. And I wanted to serve Yahweh too. But I had made so many bad decisions. I thought, how could God ever, ever use me? You've heard of the tension between the Jews and the Samaritans, but we both served Yahweh. We both loved God, and we lived in anticipation of the coming Messiah. So it made sense to me when there I was at the well, that this man would speak to me. But when he talked, it just sounded like a bunch of riddles. First, he asked me for a drink of water. He had nothing to draw with from the well. But then he said he had water, and he wanted to give me a drink. It made no sense whatsoever. said this, everyone who drinks from that water will thirst again, but the one who drinks the water I give them will never thirst. I wanted that water. Then I wouldn't have to come to the well in the middle of the hottest part of the day, and I had to do that because the other women in the mornings or in the evenings They would talk about me behind my back. My shame was so evident and and called out to me then. I wanted that water so I would not have to come to the well. Strangely, my heart, it began to stir and, and to beat a little stronger. This water that this man talked about... That seemed like something deeper, something, something more important than just water. 
And then he asked me about my husband. I thought maybe I could get away with lying. I mean, just a little white lie. I could say that I was happily married and that my husband was out of town. He would be back soon. But I knew I couldn't. I had to tell the truth. And so I did, even though it was only a half-truth. I said, I have no husband. And Jesus answered, you're right when you say you have no husband. You've had five husbands, and the man you're living with now is not your husband. As expected, he had called my bluff. And so I did what any one of you would have done. I tried to change the subject. <laughs> I thought if I just brought up this major issue that Jews and Samaritans always had, it would get me off the hook. It would help this guy to forget about me, and instead we could talk about theology. I brought up worship. Where should we worship? And how should we worship? Because in my tradition, that's what was so important. But he did it again. He put it back on me and said, a day is coming and indeed is here when true worshipers will worship in spirit and in truth. That blew my mind. In spirit and in truth, what does that mean? All of my tradition pointed to where we would worship and how we would worship, not what was in our hearts. But I remember then the Old Testament scripture, an ancient truth, God looks at the heart. It had nothing to do with the location, but who we were worshiping. Oh, my soul was so dry like a, like a parched desert. I thought of the psalmist's words, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, Lord God. My soul thirsts for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. I longed for more. I longed for an abundant life away from this life that I was living. And when we talked about worship, when he said those words, God looks at the heart, I suddenly knew. I knew that before me, was no ordinary man. This was not a prophet as I had studied. This was the Messiah. This was the son of the living God who we had awaited. I was so excited. My life instantly was changed and I couldn't wait to tell everybody that I'll never, never, Never thirst again, I have living water that streams from deep within. No, I'll never, 
I'll never thirst again. I can drink my fill and never thirst again. Come and drink your fill. You'll never thirst again. She wouldn't tell you, I'm sure. The woman at the well was humble, but she ran as fast as she could go back to the village. She overlooked her past. She forgot about her reputation. She, she ignored the fact that she would be ridiculed. And instead, she said, come and see for yourself. I think this is the Messiah. Here's what was written about her. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you have said. Now we have heard for ourselves that this man really is the Savior of the world. Sisters and brothers, God uses unlikely people to accomplish his purposes. He says that he has good plans for us and that before the beginning of time, he knew that you would be here and now. He wants to work through your life and mine. He wants us to put aside the things that have kept us stumbling. He wants us to put aside the desire to do things our own way and instead commit and yield our lives 